Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. In this episode, we're taking a look at three decades. And we're trying to decide what was the best era for music. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Coover share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome, friends, to the 3324 Podcast. The journey continues. Mm -hmm. Indeed it does. The next generation. <laughs> right? Ah, 2023. Yeah. See, season one was was TOS, the original series. Ah, Star Trek the, reference. Se season two is uh, the next generation, and then season three will be DS9. <laughs> right? And then Voyager? Yeah. Voyager, Enterprise. Yeah, and, and then, then Enterprise. And then, and then, and then, and then uh, whatever. And then whatever else is out Disco. There. Disco. <laughs> Yeah, Star Trek Disco. Just, yeah, right. First season was great. I, I, they, they lost me after the first season of Discovery. So, uh, but that's a yeah, that's an episode for another time. We haven't really done. We just we only ever talked about Star Trek too. We never really. I would love went, went to, to do to, to, a full something. on, yeah, just just overall discussion of Trek well, through the that years. Would take and, five, that would take five hours for overall. No, but discussion. I'm just. I mean, it, it would, <laughs> actually, if we brought a couple more people on, I think it would be right. interesting. You well, know, if you're if you're a trek trekkie, I don't, yeah. I don't use the term trekker, but a trekkie, uh, hit us up if you want to do a Star Trek episode. Yeah, and why the why the original series was the best out of all of them. <laughs> so that that will be the premise of of the episode. Just to let you know now, just so you know what you get. So this isn't like a Copland episode, it's a <laughs> right? Trek, trek lovers only. Mm -hmm. um, but this episode, first of all, follow us on social media. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to be picking three decades and we're going to kind of look and, and we're just going to kind of have a discussion and talk about what, you know, after we're done, um, see what we feel might be the best decade, decade for music. So, and, and you can certainly let your thoughts be known, uh, on Instagram or Facebook at 3324 podcast. You could join the conversation. We encourage you to join us and, uh, have some lively discussion and debate. It's always fun to hear other people's opinions and, uh, I always learn something new you, too. We have such a group that is uh, of of the hive. They are of the hive mind uh, yeah. when it comes to music and movie knowledge. There's, there's stuff shooting from all different directions. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's great to read that stuff. So join us there, won't you, on uh, on Facebook. The group is very lively and, and there's always room for more. Mm -hmm. We got we got plenty of seats available. So come on in. 
stop off at the concession stand, get some popcorn, and then join the group. Yep, absolutely. Right. Yep. <laughs> do you do you concur? I, 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 concur. I, I wholeheartedly <laughs> concur. That's it. Just a <laughs> man, a few words. Do you concur? <laughs> yes, I concur. <laughs> That's a uh, catch me if you can reference there. Yeah. So what we're going to do, you know, what what sparked this? Yeah, I'm interested in knowing what, where the the idea, the genesis of this. Yeah, because this kind of came up pretty sudden. I kind of texted Eric. I'm like, hey, how about this? Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of sprang out from another idea. And it really came from the the death of David Crosby. Kind of really kind of kind of spurred this. And maybe the maybe the death of Jeff Jeff Beck and the death of Christine McVie. Mm -hmm. Yep. Kind of kind of started making making me think that. You know, we're we're going to be in a, a very for music lovers, or especially if you love classic rock and you love music from the 60s, 70s and 80s. We're going to be in a very difficult situation of, you know, the of losing these artists, you know, mm-hmm. um, that we've taken for granted that have just always been there, you know, because we because they were there when we were young and, and they've been there through our, our teen years and our twenties and may, whether or not they were popular or not, or, you know, Jeff Beck or, or Crosby, Stills and Nash come and go, whatever it is, they're there. And you kind of take it for granted that they were there. So it got me thinking about the state of music. Yeah. And, and are there, are, you know, the Genesis was, are there artists today that have that, 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 that reverence, or, or even bands from the '90s that they, they'd be aged in 30 years now, right? If you were, if you came up in the '90s, are there bands from the '90s that have any of that reverence? And I'm, and then it got me to think of, well, then, really, where where was some of the greatest music made, or or what was probably the, the finest decade for music? So it really, kind of, it started off a little bit morbid about the passing of these artists and mm-hmm. lamenting that we're going to be seeing, unfortunately, more of this. So, yeah. You know, uh, as as these these classic artists get older, um, so then I, so I took it from lamenting it to kind of thinking about well what was what what might have been the greatest year and this is going to be speculation we're just going to kind of talk sure. about it yeah uh, and and we'll kind of go through I figured we would talk about each decade and kind of approach it from the standpoint of you know what was maybe some groundbreaking technology or or techniques. Uh, you know, high watermarks, perhaps, maybe some songs, I don't know, you know, wherever we kind of go with it, and then we'll kind of go through each. So the three decades, uh, it's going to be pretty, no surprise that I think we should talk about the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. Mm -hmm. You know, I think those are the the three prime candidates to to have a lively debate about and and to kind of really figure out from from those three. Yeah, I... I, I definitely feel that. Well, I've always, I mean, a lot of the, the bands that are out there today, whoever's sort of like we, I think we kind of touched upon this several times actually in episodes where something, you know, a lot of people out there today are, are, are doing the whole old is new again thing. Um, calling back to a, a very specific time. I mean, you have very specific bands that are, doing a very sort of kitschy is it kitschy or is it something that they truly love doing you know like they pick a particular genre and they just do that Mm -hmm. and it's you know i find that there's a lot of that happening today people are just sort of crossing over and and just sort of you know uh, people are already covering new songs you know songwriters budding songwriters Mm -hmm. 
something comes to mind this week, actually, Kelly actually uh, brought up the, the, the fact that there's a country artist that uh, Kelly Clarkson did a cover on her show mm-hmm. and it just kind of blew up all over the internet. Like her version of this thing that she does, the Kelly Oki thing on her show. Yeah. Yep. This was like really hot. Billie Eilish had done this song as well. And I think she actually um, prompted Kelly Clarkson because she's going through a rough patch right now, mm-hmm. uh, divorce wise and all that. So it, it's, you know, you, so you got that kind of thing happening today where it's just this sort of bleed of people just coming together and just doing whatever. It, it doesn't yeah. feel like there's but, a but, but where, where are the superstar? Like, where are the... Right. Yeah. You know, and, and we could have that with, I mean, we could spend a whole episode just talking about the state, you know, and I think that has to do with the state of the music industry as well. Yeah. And what the expectations are and, and what the buying public expects too. So, so, you know, we have to, I guess, acknowledge that, <clears throat> that things are different now Yeah, than they were even, even in the nineties, even though we're not going to be talking about the nineties, that was probably the last gasp for, for a traditional, style of music distribution before the digital revolution began it began and then people started consuming in a whole different way so i think that yeah. kind of changed the notion of what a an artist is yeah. um and and does the notion of a legacy artist even exist anymore you know the a lot of these artists from the 60s and 70s they're still tour or their tribute you know they kind of they trot out their greatest hits but they're still doing it and and some of those are probably some of the biggest tours that that are still making money and then they'll have these quadruple bills you know sticks mm-hmm. reo lover boy and and whoever you know cheap trick and they'll just kind of and people will go see these artists still stevie nicks and billy joel yeah, stevie nicks, billy joel so, so there's still that yeah <laughs> you know it, it's still it's still a it's still <laughs> yeah. a vital thing but but you know so it's so it's, it got me thinking about that i'm kind of i was like well what was uh, apart from the obvious that the music has changed what was so special or particular about those times so i figured let's Let's kind of start in the 60s mm-hmm. uh, and we'll kind of go from there. And because I, okay. I think, you know, the, the 50s was kind of, uh, you know, if you look at it, I was I was kind of looking at it as rock and roll as or or popular music as as in a, as the lifespan of, an, of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Right. So the 50s really were like the years from like 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 zero to ten, like of, of, a, of, an, of a baby, you know, like kind of the grow, you know, rock and roll was kind of a new notion. It was, it was feared. It was kind of coming up. It was, yeah. Did, didn't it know was... what was going on with it. And then once the sixties came in, that, that for me, that's the, I think I consider that like the teenage years. Yeah. Of rock and roll of, or, you know, if rock and roll was an adult, that would be like the teen. I think the, that would be like the teen years, the rebellious teenage years for sure. Well, never yeah. the formative years yeah. too. Right. So, yeah. so, in, you know, and, and that was the thing in the you know, one of the things that, that jumped out, to me in when I was kind of looking is, you know, what kind of innovations were there mm-hmm. in the sixties. And I think one of the biggest ones was, was multi-track and stereo recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that kind of change, that was kind of a game changer in the sixties for creating music because in the fifties you would, you would pretty much go, Oh, everybody would go in front of a microphone or a couple of microphones and just do everything live in, in one shot. Yeah. And you and you were basically recording a you were you were capturing a performance a live performance right sure. you were basically yeah. you weren't really recording it per se or recording a song you were capturing a performance of a song mm-hmm. you know that they kind of had to get uh in basically in one take meaning everybody you know you you do it till you got it right yeah it really wasn't those sophisticated techniques and I think in the sixties is really when that sophisticated recording technique started and that right. really changed things yeah you had to. Uh... 
like the honeymooners comes to mind, <laughs> making the record right. Yeah, <laughs> speaking into a microphone. Speaking of, and you and if you and if you messed it up, that was it. You had to go get another record yeah, go, or whatever, and go again. And yeah. I'm sure these things weren't pro- probably were not. I would imagine these were like at the time were not cheap. You know, to to just to have to to do that, but uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the, the advent of of multi-track recording really opened the, the door for even a four track, you know, like when the yeah. Beatles, what the Beatles were doing, even with a four track, that was a big deal because they were able to spread it out, spread music onto, you know, and I find that in itself fascinating because you, they were actually able to double loop certain sounds on one track. So you were able to capture more than one sound on a, on, a, on one track. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd bounce them over. You could, yeah, and, and, and you would stack, kind of bleed you could stack in. things. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you could stack things over on on you know record, yeah, record so, you know bass drums and vocals on three tracks, and then record all that over to one track, and then you'd have the other three tracks open to do other things. So it was it was it was a seems like a lot of of, of technique, a lot of work, exactly, a lot of experimentation lot to of figure ex- that yeah, out, to figure exactly. out okay, okay yeah. well, is this is this something can, we can do, and what what do you do with it, right? So it's not just right. that you've got it, but what what why would you do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and one of the innovations too, I thought about was the wall of sound production, mm-hmm. right? That, that was, that was kind of indicative of that, of, of, you know, Phil Spector, um, and, and his kind of wall of, of creating these layers of just, of, of instruments all kind of merging together into one big kind of panoramic painting of music that was just kind of behind the singers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can't do that without having some type of multi-tracking ability besides having a whole bunch of people a, a whole bunch of pros in the room recording stuff but then also being able to overdub and, and add those things in yeah yeah no doubt um but, but there were people like engineers like uh i think it was uh, the guy's name is tom dowd who actually was one of the first people to actually use a track he introduced it to ray charles ray charles and that's how all those early recordings of ray charles were were, were done uh and this was at the same before or or around the same time as the, what the Beatles were doing with the Ford and they never, I'm surprised. Like we, I think we, we've said this before, but I'm very surprised that they didn't, George Martin didn't jump on that because he had to have known that this was going on in America, but maybe, I don't know who knows. I don't, I just, yeah. you know. I, I also think at, at the time too, I mean, again, rock and roll wasn't a serious quote unquote serious art form. So it didn't, yeah. uh, it didn't merit serious technique perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it wasn't until the you know we've talked about this where the where the studio became another instrument yeah. to be to be learned yeah you know and that and that's really where what happened in the '60s is a lot of these these artists became became immersed or more interested in the creation of the music than than in performing it live right you know so that the innovation of of well we don't care we don't necessarily have to be able to sing this and replicate it we just want to create oral oral imagery, you know, with, with, with our instruments and trying different things. And, and the sixties was kind of the, kind of the proving ground for that. Sure. Even, even with the small, even with a four track and, and, and getting really creative with that and pushing the boundaries of, of what you could do with the recording and, and the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is take the Beatles discography and listen to two songs from every other album. You don't have, you know, and That's you'll right. see you'll kind of <laughs> like, you'll have to you just start at the beginning, two songs, skip an album, two songs, and you'll see the growth and you'll see what was happening in music. Absolutely. That's a really easy way to do it. 
Um, and of course, you know, one thing led to another influence, uh, you know, creates more influence and you got next thing, you know, you have lush productions happen. You have, you know, all of these, the psychedelic, you know, coming in and even people like Dylan who were, you know, just doing his acoustic guitar thing, his folk thing would plug in, yeah. become electric. And that, which was a, which was horrendous to certain people because he was, you know, obviously the, the, the politics of the day too was, was, but you know, but he, I think he had in mind as well that I want to, I want to move ahead too musically. I want to, you know, innovate, you know, and not just be a voice with an acoustic guitar. That's, you know, that, that time might've been passing me by now. I'm now I'm ready to do more. I'm ready to, to experiment. Well, uh, well he, you know? and he definitely sparked something. You, you make a good yeah. point with protest songs because that was a big part of the sixties. Yeah. Um, in the beginning with, with folk music, you know, for rock and roll was kind of good time music, rock around the clock and blue yeah. suede shoes. And then when, when kind of when, before rock really exploded again in the sixties, it was that folk revival, Pete Seeger and Joan Baez and, and, and Bob Dylan talking about social issues mm-hmm. and protest. And then that would be picked up again like you said, with with the psychedelic era, with with bands like Jefferson Airplane, yeah. and and the you know the Birds and Buffalo Springfield, that that notion of we want to say something with this music as well, well and that was another another thing with of the sixties was that you know there was up civil upheaval and and there was a war in Vietnam going on that that these young people didn't want a part of. Yeah, how and can now- we? outside of going, you know, but besides making signs and protesting, how else can we do it? And they were doing it with music in the sixties, which was right. another, and we didn't have a high watermark. They didn't have to keep it minimalist. They didn't have to keep it just, you know, singing in a, a, a group of singers around a microphone. We could, we could say something with the music. We could expand your mind and, 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 and create, now we can create textures and, and things like that to help serve the emotion or, or the, or the, or what people were feeling of the day. Right. So you, some, you know, sometimes it gets a little stagnant if it's just, you know, one voice, you know, somebody, maybe you want to create more, you know? So I think that's what a lot of people had in mind. I I, I would imagine, you know, certainly Hendrix was with his message of love and, you know, uh, you know, screw, you know, anti-war, but it, it was like, but he was doing it you think of when he did the Star Stangled Banner at, at Woodstock, that was just, oh my God, people were like deathly afraid that the cops were going to like <laughs> jump on stage and just and tear him off the stage. But that, uh, you know, good thing it didn't happen, but that was his, his, um, his way of looking at it and way of, of sort of not necessarily anti-American, but it was just, you know, he was opening the door for, you know, for, for new, for people to look at things differently. It was an interpretation of it, you yeah, know, and, right. and, and, and making it, yeah. I mean, doing the star spangled banner, he wasn't doing it as an anti-American thing. He was doing mm-hmm. it in tribute, but he was doing it in his way. And, mm-hmm. and in the way that the youth could kind of, you know, get behind. And I, I think of songs like for what it's worth by Buffalo Springfield, right. Yeah. Of, of a classic protest song that was, was just trying to say something very simple. Um, because everybody had, you know, all the, all the youth in the sixties had these high hopes and, and, you know, that we can, we can change the world with love. And, you know, yeah. they, they had high aspirations and the music was, was following that. I don't know if the music was leading the way possibly, you know, with, with, with just the feeling that there was a movement going on in the sixties and the music was kind of, kind of driving it. And it was kind of like the motor behind it where these artists were really capturing. Yeah. 
what the feeling was. And so you had really socially conscious music coming from that era besides the, besides the, the fun stuff, besides the, 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 the British invasion where once the Beatles hit, there was a wave of, of great pop music that followed it of yeah. them trying to, trying to make a cookie cutter Beatles uh, band where all of a sudden it seemed like everybody looked like the Beatles, Jer- Jerry and the pacemakers and Freddie and the dreamers. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these different bands were kind of comp- kind of flooded the U S and, and, and the music scene because people couldn't get enough of it. You know, so you have, yeah. you have on one hand, you've got socially conscious stuff that would, would kind of really uh, define the later sixties, but, but before that was kind of this poppy, happy stuff. Before before things got psychedelic bubble, and dark, it was kind of yeah. kind of bubble gummy, but <laughs> but more more innocent. Um, yeah, where where it was just kind of like you know the Beatles were seen as such a threat, but when you look at back on it now, it's just like not not really. Not, um, no, I don't. I, w- I wouldn't. No, I, I wouldn't say that at all. And every I mean, band they spawned after that was just kind of even a lighter version of them. And I'm sure a lot of these people would probably tell you, you know. I'm sure I, I don't know for sure, but this is just my opinion, but it's just, I, I would think that, no, we had a, we had something darker in mind when we wrote that, when we wrote that bubblegum <laughs> pop song, there was something, well, there was something more there that, you know, and some people figured that out, you know, as, as you're listening to it, it sounds innocent, but you know, yeah. well, it'd be a, a, a great example would be, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, that to me yeah. by the beach boys, I mean, it sounds like it's really, you know, a nice song and it's like, it's, it's, bright and bouncy and it's but on the on the other hand it's it's a cautionary tale isn't it i mean it's like yeah you know it's it's nice to think about these things but you know life isn't quite like that you know and mm. brian wilson definitely had that in mind yeah you know when he when he wrote the music and you know uh the, was a Pete, Pete asher that wrote the wrote the lyrics right i mean it was uh um no uh, not pete asher why did you why did you do that i don't why know just, it's, it's, we no, we need it's John John Asher and we and we did uh, Pete, we did Pete Pat Asher Sandler. is is uh, the producer right yeah yeah but with associated with Paul McCartney Paul McCartney went out with his uh, right. his sister he was with Peter and Gordon my bad um, that's okay Tony <laughs> Tony Asher Tony, Tony Asher Tony Asher, Tony. <laughs> Tony Asher. Uh, it's not like we were there we knew the guy and we we forgot I know. who he was um, but, um, uh, and, and 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 so that yeah that whole ho- that hopefulness with with a little bit of reality sprinkled in yeah. Um, you saw in in '69, you know, Woodstock was a was a big gathering. It was kind of like a common, uh, you know, hive mind of people that wanted to get together and, and have a festival. So all this great mm-hmm. music was kind of kind of coming out of it, you know, where where the you know, it's not it wasn't all Beatles all the time. Like they were they were there, but there was all these other offshoots, you know, like the groups yeah. like the Birds, which was taking a folk spin on things. Yeah. Uh, and, and kind of driving that. And then like we talked about, we just did a Doors episode. It was, those were a little, some darker themes. Well, um, definitely creating and, but a, a very specific region too. That was the California sound, right? I mean, these, you know, a lot of this folky stuff came from there. Um, you know, yeah, so Joni, yeah, Joni, yeah, the San Francisco, Mitchell. Yeah. you know, that, you know, yeah, all the hippie, all the hippie stuff, all the so, hippie stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, a, a, so, so much great, there was a lot of great music and it was, like I said, it just wasn't the Beatles and the stones, you know, like the two of the biggest acts. There was mm. so many other smaller bands. Cause it seems that once rock music got popular, everybody, if you had a band, like you, you could make a single. And if that single kind of caught on, you, you would, you would kind of, you could have a contract, you know? So there was yeah. a lot of those one hit wonders 
that really kind of came in came into the 60s uh that kind of supplemented you know the other you know the, while the beatles weren't having a number one there was these other smaller groups that were kind of coming in like the rascals and and kind of having great uh great careers of their own uh, and and filling in what what I you know when I think of the sixties I think of bands I don't just think of Beatles and Doors I think of of yeah I think of like the Rascals and I just mm-hmm. think of other 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 great mostly one hit wonders you know like Hang On Sloopy and yeah uh, the Guess you know, Who but, yeah Guess, uh, guess who, who had who had a string a massive string of hits right and they all made you know that's the thing like you mentioned contracts so they all made albums like they had but they had they they were uh, the strength of their <laughs> were those one hit wonders in, for the most part but then. But there was an album of material, and yeah. I think find you'll find a lot of times too was not original material. They were covering Dylan, or they were covering like they were yeah, doing they, their own protest songs, or, or yeah, you know, de- including that because that's what was popular at the time. Yeah, yeah it depended so. on your contract. You know, right. a lot of these a lot yeah. of these bands would be assigned a producer. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, because it, it, it was very much a, a business concern. So it's like, okay, we're going to sign, we're going to sign you to a, a thing, and here's your producer. You know, Joe Smith is going to be your producer. Yeah, and you're going to cut, you know, the, this amount. You know, here, you know, re-record your hit and re-record a couple other ones, and then you're going to do, uh, you know, there might have been a hit from last year, that, and then they're they're going to cover that one. You know, just mm-hmm. so there's so there's familiar stuff on the on the record. So there really wasn't a lot of you know, outside of the big bands, like, like, you know, Doors, Beatles, Stones, et cetera, who, uh, not a lot of autonomy because they were kind of happy to have a recording contract and kind of yeah. the record company was kind of, you know, for the most part, calling the they, shots. Yeah. And I'm sure they were just happy to be, yeah. have that, you know, I guess your day in the sun, so to speak, you know, and that's yeah. what they, a lot of these bands that are still, still around, do that like that you know you, you think of like these rock and roll shows that they you know they bring back all like several of these old people and they're yeah. doing like you know this sort of like vintage uh nostalgia thing you know but yeah, they, like, they, they do they do their two hits and then they yeah. trot it off and then it, <laughs> that's right i mean it's like the real old like the realness like they bring out all the one hit like wonders peter, and yeah, it's like, like peter noon from you know yeah. you know yeah it's like it's like 30 yeah. artists but the, right. but the show is still only two hours long because it's kind of <laughs> Right, they they try. It's almost That's like right. a, it's like a touring jukebox. They kind of trot right. them out because these, these songs are only two minutes long, if that you yeah. know. So, yeah, it's like it'll be like you know, you know the tur- the turtles, Lou Christie, and yeah. the Brooklyn Bridge, and whoever, like, hey, you know, whoever's still alive, groups, whoever's you know? still around, right? We, we'll we'll get we'll get them. We'll get them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you can if you can make money on it, you certainly can. So that was yeah. a great. Um, you know, music wasn't as segmented yet, right? So yeah. that I think that's the if we're going to put a check mark against the sixties is that, you know, there was kind of British invasion, American pop, folk, and pro- and psychedelia, psychedelic music were probably the, the main, again, I, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush, but those were like the, the, if you think about the 60s, those were like the main drivers. Yeah, British British invasion music, American pop, folk music, and then psychedelic music. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we, would, we would see the splinters, but not really that much yet. You know, it was kind of very much, and you know, and like I said before, even psychedelic music took off. It was pretty much just pop music. Yeah, you know, there wasn't a lot of there was experimentation in the studio, but the Beatles, you know, for all the experimenting they were doing, the music was still relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, until they got to Revolver, but but pretty much the the music scene was there wasn't anything really crazy on the radio that you'd be like, wow, like okay. 
right. you would have to kind of seek it out on the albums. And, and yeah, there were, there were, you know, like, like the beach boys, prime example for as much experimentation they were doing, you would never know it because it was still making pop music. Yeah. Right. It wasn't, yeah. it didn't sound like, you know, to the untrained ear, it's like, okay, this is another beach boy song. Wouldn't it be nice? Sounds like good vibration. Sounds like I get around. Sounds yeah. like help me Rhonda. Right. So, so to the, you know, basically a lot of that stuff was kind of behind the scenes. That's right. Kind, and, kind of in, in, innovations, right. Those were yeah. innovations that were happening kind of behind the scenes. You know, the, the listening public was the benefactor, but probably not realizing it. Yeah. And of course, like you say, behind the scenes, you had members of the band that were content to do just the pop stuff and just do the surf stuff. And they, that's what they were known for. And, you know, and you find out that you have this savant in your, in your midst who, you know, frankly, they knew, you know, might've been, you know, had a little jealousy or envy came, came into, into play. So they start trying to do those things as well as Brian did it or, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work, but it, you know, but the point was, was that there was, change happening the influence yeah. was there they felt they had to you know keep up with the guy just to kind of you know yeah, yeah. and, and other bands know. heard that and other bands would use that as as you, that's you right read so many times oh i heard just a random article oh i heard you know about some artist from the 60s oh i heard this song on the radio and it inspired you know it inspired me to to do something that might have been totally different but that yeah the, the you know that there was so much going there was so much new stuff happening that you were kind of all you had to do was listen to the radio to get ideas of what, what could be, and then kind of run it through your own filter and come out with something different, you know, and that's probably where psychedelic music came from was just sure. kind of really kind of expanding the notion of, of what we can do. And, and that kind of leads us, I think into I think psychedelic music, I think is a good lead into the sit to the seventies. Yeah. Because I yeah. think when, when you think psychedelic music, you, you think groups like, you know, obviously the, you know, Jefferson airplane, but you think like Pink Floyd, yeah, they, it was um, the birth of prog rock. It was so well, yeah, which which what, what I was getting to is is in the seventies mm -hmm. is really you know if you want to think about it in, in Marvel terms, it was kind of like the multiverse, like the timelines started <laughs> started to started to branch in, in the seventies because you had psychedelic music, which became a uh, more improvisational, a, a long form mm -hmm. kind of format of music without maybe any particular destination. You know, it was more about the trip. You know, yeah. it was more about the journey than the destination. And I think that's where Prague kind of, came, you know, we started to see the in the 70s, that splintering, you know, the 70s would be like the 20s if, if we're talking about a musical adult mm -hmm. um, where where you've been through your teens, you're kind of mature. It's like now you're you're becoming an, an adult. And what do you what do you what are you going to do with your knowledge? Yeah. And I think in the 70s, we started to see that. Right. All the experimentation was done. You know, the, the, the technology, the innovations had been made in the 60s. And then the 70s, I think, bore the fruits of yeah, all they, that work. A lot of people, they, they grew as musicians, as uh, storytellers, because <laughs> a lot of this yeah. stuff was more that, you know, they weren't really, you know, we were done talking about, you know, the, the sign of the times kind of thing. We're now we're taking you on a whole nother level, which we're going to disappear and into another world entirely and take you on yeah. this, this, this weird trip, you know? And so that was the, I guess that's kind of the intent there for a lot of these, these bands, but also like, you know, you also, we also didn't mention like from the sixties that, you know, the people that went to see like the beatniks that went to see like jazz artists and mm -hmm. things like that, they would, you know, sort of cross over as well. Wouldn't they? I mean, yeah. people like Miles Davis became, he plugged in, 
started doing like the, the birth of something called jazz fusion, which, you know, in a lot of ways, Prague and jazz fusion kind of crossed over quite a yeah, bit. Absolutely. Because absolutely. you had these virtuosic musicians all of a sudden working with one another and they're really expanding uh, more of the music as opposed to, you know, lyrical, content. Ly lyrical content. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That, and yeah. that's where, where progressive rock came in, right. Cause it was, a, yeah. it was a pro moving, moving it forward, right. Progressing yeah. through these, the, the, the format and kind mm -hmm. of, it, it became something that was um, more of an art form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. le less lyrical content or, or lyrical heavy as, as far as, you know, I think the point of it was the musical journey that they would take you on. And it did have absolutely has its roots in jazz and in improvisational music yeah. or even classical. You know, and, yeah. Classical and cla well. yeah, classical yeah. as well, you know, mm -hmm. and, and these, these groups or these artists or these guy, young guys and gals with no discernible musical training as well are, are playing this music, right? Yeah. That blows my mind. I mean, guys like, picking up, yeah, I played, I picked, I, you know, I started playing the piano when I was 12. I don't know how to read music, but I, you know, the, 18 years old and they're doing uh, my, holy shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> I can't ooh. even play chopsticks on the piano, much less yeah. do the yeah, stuff so, that they you know, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it, it was absolutely amazing. And, yeah. and, you know, so you start to see these multi, these, uh, these threads that get, start getting pulled out of prog rock. And, yeah. and the the singer songwriter movement, which we've talked about, right? That was a very important part of of the seventies too. Is that almost like the flip side to Prague? Is is Prague is big, boisterous, bombastic, and then the singer songwriters like James Taylor and and you know Carol King and Linda Ronstadt and Carly mm -hmm. Simon and Gordon Lightfoot, very introspective and very stripped down and very much about minimalist about just... the music, about the words, right? The the music was the accompaniment. In Prague, the lyrics are the accompaniment. The music was the point. You but know, now so, instead of instead of trying to be the voice of a generation, now we're just simply writing a love song. Yeah, telling how now, you feel. We're telling people how we feel internally. Yeah, right. It's not just politics. It's love. It's it's life. It's it's situations. It's you know breakups. It's you know all of this kind of stuff. You know, James Taylor would you know evoke that, and then so would Joni Mitchell and and Carol King uh, especially. Uh, yeah, so that 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 like you said, like that minimalist approach just sort of took what they did in the folk era, and then but made it more uh, relatable, I guess, or more uh, heartfelt. Yeah, wearing less, your heart oh, on your sleeve. Folk, there was something about folk music that just sounded. I don't want to use the word hokey, but you could tell it was folk music. Yes. In the seventies, yes. it was something, it became something different. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't um, really define it. Like what, it wasn't really the, country. It was, yeah, the it, it might, might be the arrangements. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like this kind of stuff you'd see on like a children's show. Yeah, or or something. Like Kingston trio, <laughs> Peter, Paul and Mary. Right, it was kind of like right. that. Yeah. You know, the, the singer songwriters like Neil Diamond, they weren't, it wasn't like that in the seventies. There yeah. was something different to, to it. It had a different feel mm -hmm. to it. Um, might have been the production techniques because in the seventies, like I said, they, they all the all the experimenting was done in the sixties, and in the seventies, you really got just great sounding music. Like like kind of the tools were learned, and oh, like yeah. they, they learned how to get how to use these mixing boards, right, and how to yeah. really kind of understand the, the the function of of recording a guitar, recording a drum, recording a bass. That they they you can record them all, but they also need different attention paid to them. And, and in the 70s, you really saw that. You really saw kind of producers kind of really, I think, come to the forefront of helping shape the sound of, of a group, 
you know, mm-hmm. of, of understanding, okay, yeah, we want to mic a guitar a certain way or, or drums need to be mic'd different because so, you know, because they're, they're too punchy and, and you can't, can't mm-hmm. use the same microphones. And I think in the seventies, you had that, that maturing of the technique, mm-hmm. right. And, and the refining of the technique and, and the music just started to sound just fuller and richer. Even if it was a four piece band, they, they, it was, it was just, it just had a, just a, 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 a nicer sound to it. You know, the sixties could, could be a little crunchy, not, not abrasive, but mm-hmm. um, in the seventies, it kind of got smoothed out to, to in a good way. Well, stereo was most yeah. certainly uh, the advent of stereo recording in the seventies. I and mean, everything just sounded so much <clears throat> bigger and bolder and warmer. And um, you, you got to hear every instrument. Right, we're in the you know sixty something. You know, a lot of stuff was in mono still. The, you know, you still you're still getting that sort of like very cold, sort of in your face approach. And a lot of it, you know, the the fancy part about the recording might have been, oh, we're just putting a lot of reverb into it. Yeah. So you get that sort of echoey effect, but it's you know, and that and that is a that considered to be, you know. Uh, a genius it, it dates it yeah but it, 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 dates, but it also but it dates does it. date yeah. it yeah <laughs> it absolutely i mean dates in the 70s it. things were were they knew how to tone that down and make and yeah. make a voice sound crystal clear and 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 sort of like like sort of more in the room a lot of times you know but there was still a lot of that happening too a lot of the the, the grand you know sort of voices and re and double tracking of voices and that kind of thing that really took off as well i mean you got singers that are doing two, three different vocal parts themselves. And then, you know, and then, and then to bring in backup singers on top of that, you know, was, and then you just, so next thing you know, you have this sea of voices that are just to just make it sound so bold. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I also think that the, the, the groups or the artists from the sixties that did transcend into the seventies got better at what they were doing as well right the rolling oh, stones yeah. really kind of came into their own they, they weren't just beatles knockoffs in the 70s the, the stones and the who yeah they uh, be- led, led zeppelin all these bands kind of yeah. came into their own and were carving out their own distinct niches you know a leonard skinnerd mm-hmm. uh allman brothers so like we said you know all these different genres start popping up and you had leading edge artists that were defining each each one of those of those niches and each one of those, those genres. Yeah. You know, in, in yeah. a, in a, in a, you know, and then, and David Bowie would kind of be the forerunner of like alternative music and kind of, you know, proto punk. Um, yeah. So you had the split, the splintering of music kind of like almost like blasting wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was kind of like anything goes in the seventies. That That's really what it was. It was, you know, fueled by drugs and fueled by all that <laughs> fueled by excess. But that was what it was is, is kind yeah. of, Anything went through anything against the wall. The advent of the synthesizer, right, was that's really what drove prog rock in the seventies. Yeah, you know they weren't playing pianos; they were playing synth- all these the all synth. these groups from from Yes to Sticks to ELP to to whoever. All were playing synthesizer. You know the the birth of the synthesizer and the advent of the synthesizer in the seventies. Yeah, really also helped define the the shape of that music, and and that was in pop music as well. And of course, that would carry over to the next decade in which that, that became even bigger yeah. and broader. And they we'll, did, we'll you know, to, we'll get to that. There's a, there's but, a particular, yeah. there's a particular, uh, <laughs> particular instrument that really came. And then also as far as guitar players, um, if, if you know, in the sixties, it wasn't a lot of effects, you know, pretty much, yeah. you know, there, there was really kind of some distortion. 
not a whole lot of craziness. But then in the 70s, you really started to see Echo, Chorus, uh, the talk box, mm-hmm. right? That Joe Walsh and Peter Frampton, like, show me the way. Slide. Um, and, and the slide, slide guitar. The, the whammy bar. Uh, Rocky Mountain Way with with mm-hmm. with kind of you know really innovating the 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 guitar sound as well. So you got synthesizer, which kind of revolutionized the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got artists in the seventies that were really kind of taking taking the guitar also to the next level. Because again, the sixties was kind of learning the tools, and that was learning the instruments as well. In, which in the wake of, in the wake even, of Hendrix, yeah, I would imagine a bigger challenge for for <laughs> people having to set this shit up on stage, right? These, these massive yeah. rigs that, you know, all these pedals and it's, you know, that these guitar players are using, you know, the sort of the wah, wah, the flange, the, this, the, that, you know, like all these different yeah, and effects. It, it and, sounding you know, unique, you know, yeah. Jim, Jimmy Page had his own sound. Townsend had his own sound, right? You know, each one of these artists kind of, you know, taking their instrument and, and putting their own stamp on it in the seventies, in you know, Brian May had a particular sound Clapton. You could pick Clapton out, you know, he's, his, his fender, has a sound and in in the seventies all these artists kind of notched out their you know kind of you know got their little square acre of land of this that's is that's true this is this is where this is where I'm 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 laying down my roots is, I, is that's absolutely and I've, got, and I've got a sound you know this is my sound. This is there's there's a lot of truth in that and and because and and you feel like the further you 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 go back there like you were saying there was fewer artists to to pick out that mm-hmm. were doing this stuff. So they they literally did have their own identity, right? They, they had, like, nobody really sounded like the Who at the yeah. time, or nobody really sounded like the Stones or Zeppelin. People were, were trying, I guess, to, you know, trying to go there. Some bands were, you know, uh, but that, I feel that came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Like in the early 70s, they, very distinct, you know, just sort of yeah. little pockets of, of bands that were just doing their own thing. And, the, and then you realize, even if you go further back to the sixties, there weren't a lot of guitar players plugging in. I mean, you, there were a lot of, there was a lot of rhythm guitar being played. Yeah. The, you know, yeah, those, it wasn't those, a thing. those innovative guitar play, you know, those lead guitar players, you know, they're very few, you know, they, and, and those are the guys that really stood out, but the, the, yeah. unfortunately there's some of them are the, are the most unsung as well. You know, a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of, even in the fifties, there were people that were doing that, but not people weren't really looking that far back, yeah. uh, which is a shame. But, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, but now you have this. So now more and more people want to do what they're doing. So that only you started to see the growth of these rock bands that are just, you know, coming in. And, yeah, and it was, and, it was like, know. it just kind of, it was almost like mushrooms in a field. Like they were, you know, and, and the great thing about yeah. it, was the record companies really had gave these these groups had contracts mm-hmm. like they had like law like the 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 thing about the seventies is these groups put out you know there were there were groups that would put out album after album that would just not go anywhere then six albums in they would strike they would strike it yeah you know I, I don't think you, you I don't think you see that today so so in the seventies you also had artists had a, a chance to kind of mature and develop and kind of figure things out and the, and the record company would just kind of keep making you know. Yeah, we'll keep you know how many how many groups did you you know that you see that some of the early albums is like well, okay, there's not a hit until like the fourth, third, fourth, or fifth album, you yeah. know, and it's yeah. like what was going on before that? Nowadays that that won't last too long, you no. know, unless you're, you know, and and so I think they, the groups also had had the had people, the ability to to kind of mature. Yeah, people grow. had yeah, absolutely. People had time to develop their sound. Yeah, you know, and 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 record companies. 
And they were prolific too. Some of, these the, well, some of these record executives understood that though. Yeah. You know, if you were lucky to get those kinds of executives who knew music, they understood that they needed to find their way to find their niche. You know, unfortunately there's a lot of executives that don't know shit. Yeah. I, I, you know, hopefully you know, the good ones saw it as an investment. Right. That, that right. hopefully will pay off. And, and kind of that, that really kind of helped help those artists kind of develop. And then you also had, you know, in, in the seventies, you also have this uh, later in the, later in the decade, another genre pops up called disco, <laughs> yeah. which totally takes the, 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 the world by storm, America by storm, totally takes music and kind of tips it over. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it went from, it went from just kind of, you know, rock and roll and, and, you know, kind of pop music. And then all of a sudden disco just kind of comes in late in the game and just, and totally transforms the, the landscape of music again. Um, you can't, for me, when I think about the seventies, what I think is most kind of what, what comes to the forefront of my mind is AM radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, a, because AM radio in the seventies was the, was the great melting pot. You know, that, that's where you, you could put, you would put on AM radio and you would hear everything. You know, you would hear a country artist, then you would hear a soul artist, then you would hear like a rock song, then you'd hear like a bubblegum pop song, you know, like, this, like, <laughs> yeah. the, and you hear a novelty song like the streak, and then you'd hear, you know, another soul song. And, mm-hmm. it was, you know, AM radio kind of didn't discriminate. It, it played everything. Yeah. You know, and that was the great thing about, about listening to radio back then is you, you weren't really picking and choosing. It was just kind of, it was, everything was, it was just mute. It was all music. Mm-hmm wasn't like here's a country song they would just play if there was a country song that was popular it would be played on am radio and then if there was a a rock song that was popular it would be played right after it and then yeah. if there was a weird you know you know disco duck then it would be played right after it you know so you would just hear just like everything you know and and for me i, I think the advent of of am radio in the 70s i think really kind of helped helped a lot of people that grew up in that era connect to music because you, expo- so. you were exposed to so much more stuff than you than you realize. When I think about it now, I'm like, oh my god, there was so much so much different music that I was aware of. At least not, it was not a, knowing it was a genre, not knowing it was this or that. It was just music that was played. No, I I totally yeah I I I, I agree with that. And it's you know, but to me, it it felt more. It was at least an open door, right? It yeah. was not. We're not talking. You know, I mean, it's, unfortunately, there was still a lot of that happening. There was still a lot of like, you know, divert, you know, sort of divide. Black artists weren't being played on the radio as much, you know, they, you know, but the, 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 like, the, I guess the people of real value at that point, like the jazz artists and things, they, you know, you didn't hear that, but you heard a pop version of that, like a lighter version of, of mm-hmm. jazz, like a light jazz or, at least that you know that that they were th- walking through that threshold of, of of at least introducing a different sound yeah. to pe- you know to people at that at that point, especially young kids like us, who you know who were very impressionable and like wow that's different. Yeah, you know? if it, so caught on, they played it. That's right, and then you know you would look into that kind of thing, and then you you know that's how you dive deep, and that's where you find you know the yeah, or you, you know, just file it away and be like, oh wow, right. and then you years later you hear it like, oh wow, that was really kind of a right, really lush song to be popular, or or this this person that's was right. like like in their yeah. form when they had this hit in the seventies, and and you know, and and you don't kind of see that diversity even in the age spectrum mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, that, and that was what I loved about it is it was, you heard everything and anything. If, if it didn't make a difference, if, you know, Frank yeah. Sinatra had a hit and he was in his sixties, 
It was on AM radio. And then right after that, you'd hear Donna Summer or whatever it was. It was just that's, a great. That's true. You know, yeah. It was a kind of a, a patchwork quilt of just all different types of music that you would just listen to. You know, I don't even think oldies radio today even replicates it as much. They try to, but um, it was just anything and everything. And you yeah. just heard, you know, and, and you didn't realize you were getting a musical education. So I think AM radio in, in the 70s was a big, a big part of that. You know, Especially it, in the in the in like the spring and the summer months too, like right. I mean, you, oh God, I'm thinking of like once upon a time in Hollywood. You know, with uh, that 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 kind of that that situation really grabbed me. Uh, with Brad Pitt driving around in the car, and you hear like him listening to the radio. You know, uh, I forget the guy's name, Don 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 Steele. But this is Don Steele, and it, but this was L.A. But we mm-hmm. had our own cousin, equip, equip, cousin you know, Brucey. Had, cousin Brucey. Yeah, that's right. W, w any, <laughs> what was it? A, uh, WABC. ABC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brucey, uh, Victor cousin, cousin, tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all and, the great you know, ones, but yeah. all that. But like you say, like all this, you know, and the the, the way the songs are just ran right into each other, right? Right? You know, you yeah. Know, you get, I, I love that. It's like, and. Yeah, you hear one hit right after another, and it's just, it was just very entertaining. Yeah, it was just a, a pastiche of music of I all just, just different things. And you, like I said, you weren't, weren't really sitting there separating it out. It was no, just, I, I would tell you. It was often, just popular music. It was just often music. I have to go with my parents to, like, you know, yeah, shopping on a weekend or something, you know, in and the they'd car. they'd have it on too. Yeah. That's right. And I would, like, want to sit in the car because I'd want to listen to the radio. <laughs> I, the radio I, didn't, I didn't want to go into the store. I want to listen yeah. to music, right? That's, so that was, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. oh, we can't leave the car on. It's a gas shortage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then you had to, you had to get gas <laughs> depending on your license plate number. You had to go on even or odd days. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when it got really bad, if mm-hmm. you had an, the gas situation got so bad in the seventies that uh, yeah, they had to ration out the gas, so they would go by license plate number. So if your you know license plate ended in an odd number, you can go on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and if it was an even number, you can go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, or whatever. Yeah. It was crazy, and the lines were long. Of course, we um, didn't. We didn't have uh, Walkmans or anything back in the day. No. You know, we didn't have that stuff yet. So no, just the, radio the transistor, was, transistor radio was radio it. was the thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Transistor right. radio was 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 the thing you could have in your room, and it didn't cost anything. You had mm-hmm. batteries. You didn't have to buy stuff, and and it it, it was a, a, a literally a global jukebox. It, it you know it, they played everything. If you you know if you're yeah. in the right market, I suppose where we were lucky to be in the New York market where it was vibrant and they, they oh, yeah. played all this. New stuff, York you know? was yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then, like I said, you know, towards the end of the seventies, you would, you would get disco and you would get punk also, which would kind of spark, uh, spark a whole other revolution. But, but, the, but I think disco really kind of overtook it, became so big and then had such a big backlash as well. Like all of, it did. For, for all, everything was disco. And then everyone was like, I'm tired of this. Like it, it, it did kind of, it, it totally it, it, did. Fl- it flamed out pretty quick, but it wore out. It's well, I mean, I wouldn't say wore out. It's welcome because I, Loved it. I, I wanted yeah. more, <laughs> and it had it had it obviously has its roots in like funk and R and B, which kind of turned into something. Yeah, it's just add a little bit of pop flavoring to that. Now you got yeah. now you got even, some even, really great even jazz group. with these long form disco songs. You know that you Dance got. Groups, it's it's about right. the music. Yeah, it's about the musicianship. It was about keeping people on the floor. And I think that at this um, point it was it was okay, we're going to kill, pro, you know, prog rock. <laughs> this long, like long haired stuff is, is out. You know, now it's time for. We're going to make long form music, but you're going to want to move to it. You're not going to want to trip. Well, you're not going to want to trip to it. It's either that or punk rock. Punk rock came in and was like, was out totally out to destroy 
everything. Uh, what every exactly, even what yeah. people like Zeppelin were doing. Like they no, yeah. we, we want you know this is yeah, raw. Just th- th- in their nose at everything. This is we don't even have to be good for people yeah. to, to to relate to this. This is the point of punk rock. We want no, you know attitude. the attitude, which yeah, you know, of course attitude. at the time I I was like I wanted things to sound good, right? Because yeah. we were so used to that. I suppose, you know, growing up, yeah, it was, it was very, jarring. very impressionable to hear something so threatening ugly. or yeah, threatening. And, and it's just like, like, this I, sucks. You know, it's just noise. Yeah. You could, you could say that, <laughs> but you understand now you appreciate yeah. what, you know, what it was and why, yeah. and, you know, so. Yeah. yeah and and th- those two, those two art forms will take us into the eighties because, mm-hmm. you know, disco would, would, would splinter off into another sub subgenre of rap. Yeah, and, and punk yeah. for all in, for all intents and purposes would would splinter off into new wave music. Yeah, which would which would usher which would usher in the fu- the final decade that we're going to talk about, which is the eighties. Which it was kind of the dawning of a new era. Which to literally, me was literally. like punk rock. Like yeah, punk rock was like fuck you to Prague, fuck you to this like this stuff. But then you fuck had you everything, <laughs> right? But then it had the, the new wave comes in, and so, so now you're starting to bring that stuff back. Now you start to bring this, this sort of artsy. It's still punk. It's still short. It's it was still, a reset. Yeah, it was like a reset. But you got like people like Talking Heads that were like it, it was relatable and it was funky. It was like, but it was like, but they were doing more than than just playing three chords. Like you know, people like yeah. the Clash were doing that, playing reggae, the Police. You know, they you know they were oh, they were doing something above and beyond just the, you know just the you know you know. And that to me is, is progressive. You know, I, I think I said, I think I mentioned uh, Stuart Copeland even said that he's like, you know, we wanted to be a punk band, but we ended up being more than that. So I considered the police a prop band more, more or less because we, we, we ended up doing more on record. Yeah. Taking that, those, those things and expanding it. Like I said, it was kind of a punk punk was kind of a reset Mm -hmm. as it were for music of kind of, you know, and and with the fall of disco, it kind of like the eighties were kind of a wasteland because a lot of the, a lot of the artists from the seventies, you know, really didn't transition well. So it was kind of an opportunity for, for new or, or the next generation of artists to kind of come to the forefront. Yeah. You know, and, and on top of that was, you know, there was a, there was a digital revolution, you know, kind of, uh, yeah. you know, digital recording, but, but, but digital, uh, instrumentation. Yeah. The tool right? the made day. it, made it easier, you know, for, for better or for worse, you know, the, the Fairlight computer, which was invented in, in you know, invented in 79, mm-hmm. but the Fairlight computer would be used extensively in the 80s because what you could do is you could record a, you could record a drum, put it into the computer and then replicate that sound over and over and, to, and with different types of, uh, you know, tones and, and different kind of, uh, yeah. you know, kind of tune, you know, tunings. This was, um, this was, and the- it would, and it, yeah, this was the proto Pro Tools, like right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this was. It, it was yeah. the it was the great experimenter. You know, uh, Peter Gabriel <clears throat> used it in the, in the song San Jacinto. Yeah, was was he used a Fairlight there to, to sample a marimba, uh, "Relax" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Heavily, you know, the the drums on there were 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 used as a Fairlight. Uh, the the album Hysteria, nineteen eighty seven. You know, from from uh, Def Leppard. Def Leppard. You know, after after Rick Allen had, you know, he had it. You know, drummer Rick Allen had a car accident. He lost his left arm. They weren't sure what they were going to do. They had to supplement. They, they sent. They sent. Yeah. yeah, they had to supplement that. Mm-hmm. So they used the Fairlight computer to sample the sample drums. Yeah. and kind of and help lay them over. So, using of technology, kind of, uh, 
became a way also for people to express their art in a different way. So you didn't have to be a virtuoso guitar player. Yeah. Um, if you knew how to use the technology, you, you know, someone like Thomas Dolby or Trevor Horn, you know, yes. these guys became enthusiasts and, and experts at, at using the technology to create music. Um, so, so we saw something different, you know, that if you want to, if the seventies were more of an acoustic and a, and a wooden decade, mm-hmm. you know, the, the eighties were definitely more the digital and electronic and, and again, was, for better or for worse. Well, expand also expanding the multimedia thing too. Of course, yeah. MTV video video became a thing. Sight, image became a big, big part of the music scene. Which you know, a lot of artists that, that especially the artists that kind of carried over mm-hmm. from the seventies, who was still recording new music. Which that in itself was a little bit jarring to hear these guys, like people like Don Henley, for example using synthesizers on, on, you know, building the perfect beast or, you know, like you know, dirty laundry. Yeah. Or sunset uh, grill. And sunset grill. Like and it's like, yeah, this, this is guy, this guy from the eat from Eagles, right. It's an acoustic band more or less. They're just, you know, guitars and vocals and, and he's using like these weird sounds and it just, it was so bizarre. Yeah. And that's that was the, the, that was what you had to do though. Right. That was, it was what the, they had to do, but unfortunately to edge. me, it's the most, it, 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 it unfortunately dates it. Yeah, it's such a way, but it is fun to look back at this stuff and just you know sort of. Um, but yeah, the, the, yeah, the, but the but the, you but you mentioned a few names there, Dolby and and Horn, and but they were the innovators. They were the guys who were using the the technology. Peter Gabriel as well, Daniel and mm-hmm. Wah. His production sense had a lot of that that sort of texturally, you know, kind of stuff going on as well. You know, bringing back the you know the you know multi tracking different brass and 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 making and, and symbols and things and and just sort of you know kind of opening up the playing field but also using a lot of that electronic stuff as well you know sort of like the you know the the, the warbling you know effect and all that kind of stuff going on and uh, yeah cur- cur- courtesy of a little keyboard called the dx7 the D- the from Roll- yamaha which which became like the day <laughs> the dx7 became like the de facto keyboard for anybody to use in the eighties, because it was so versatile, it could be, it could do almost anything. It could replicate almost any sound Yeah, that it, it, you know, if you weren't into fit into the Fairlight, which was primitive technology, I mean, you had to put things on floppy disks. I mean, it really was a a bear to use. (laughs) Um, You could get the DX seven and kind of, you know, songs like, like take on me from aha is it, is it DX seven delight eyes without a face by Billy Idol and take my breath away by Berlin. Those are all like, that's the, that's the DX seven. That became like the sound mm-hmm. of the eighties was this, this keyboard that could replicate big sweeping strings, or it could have the synthy sound to it as well. And, you know, or it could replicate a grand piano or P- electric piano, like take on me. Um, so you really saw bands that kind of flourished that may not, you know, maybe didn't have as much, uh, well, and again, progress on the instruments, able to create music. So kind of opened it up. In that well, and, and again, like we mentioned, bands from the 70s having their own their own niche, their own thing. Right. They, well, these artists were very much that at that time. You know, they, yeah. they, they this is what they did. This is the music they did. And, and I, I, I applaud that. But it's like it's like I said, that when, you know, when other artists who really didn't really belong, you know, just didn't fit quite fit when they were trying to use the stuff and not very well. I, I might yeah. add just, it just, it just, it just, they just had to, to fit in. 
Yeah. But well, it was, be, another, it was another decade of experimentation, right? But these, but was, these uh, people were doing it and creating with it. They weren't yeah. like just, you know, using it as, you know, oh, we're replacing. We, yeah, the shoehorning. Some artists were shoehorning it in. We can't use a real guitar. We, we, we're we using can simulate it. a guitar. We'll have, we won't yeah. use real drum. We don't need a drummer. We'll just use, yeah. you know. We'll use and, the pads. We'll use the pads and the drum machines, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, yeah. So you, there's that fine line of of innovation and and just you know, using it for the, because that using it the, because it, because it was there. Yeah. Like you had to adapt. Was, yeah. You know, yeah, you but didn't know I how think, to, you know, to adapt in that sense, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, again, cause it was kind of a new, yeah. you know, the, 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 the ways of the seventies were being replaced by, by di- yeah. doing things digitally, you starting to use a computer to, to record things or to si- sample. Right. Uh, and not having to play it. Right. And, and the, the, the technology hadn't been so refined yet. Yeah, you could tell that, that the keyboard didn't sound like a violin. You know, it kind of sounded like strings, but it didn't yeah. really. So it, it kind of the, the technology still wasn't quite there in the eighties, but it was enough that it was something different. Horns right? were it, also it was, a big. Was, that's, yeah. that's sort of like you know, like brassy it's, horns. Like you know, you just, could tell it wasn't because no. you know you're playing individual <laughs> notes, but it, but it was but it was a new thing, and it was kind of like oh here this is now cutting at this it, that was cutting edge at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's that was the difference. Is now it sounds dated and it sounds you know most definitely eighties, mm-hmm. but at the time it was it was cutting edge technology. Right. We're replacing a guitar. We don't yeah. need to hire you know five violinists. We can do it with a keyboard instead. Yeah. Um. So at so at the time it was kind of a reset of oh, okay here's new innovations we need to was, learn how to it use. It was the future. Yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> you know I think of bands like Eurythmics who did it the right way. Absolutely. You know, they use sampling. They use drum Dave machines. Stewart. They use looping and sequencing. But yep. but it it was it, you know they they were creating something new out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It was it was a it was something different. I remember when I first heard Sweet Dreams. I was like, what I, what is this? This is kind yeah. of weird. I didn't know what to make of it. But now when you look back on it, it was kind of like a watershed moment. It was like, wow, this is something. It's amazing. Yeah. And the video also added, added something to it as well. Like yeah. What, the visuals, you know. The visual aspect of it. Uh, yeah. That, that Harold did like the second British invasion. Right. When, that, when that's what Tom Petty that. might be the, you know, he might be one of the few artists that kind of slid by and actually did something into when he got away Dave, with it. <laughs> Dave Stewart with Don't Come Around Here No More, which is. By far and away, one of my favorite songs by by yeah. Petty. I love that song. It's just yeah. so odd and so like, and it's effective. And he he knew, you know, he had the instinct of of you know. Well, it was I, just you know, like sprinkling. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, we, you know, we're gonna make an you know, all of a sudden Tom Petty. Well, the, I mean, for the most part, for the most part, the song was digital. that, and then it kicks into the rock thing at the very yeah. end. But, but like, the whole album wasn't like that either. So it was kind oh, of no, like no, no, here's no. a no. You know, we're gonna dabble in it. Right. Yeah. And not say, oh, we're going to totally change our now we're, you know, now we're a new wave band. Yeah. You know, like they didn't to- totally. <laughs> no, <right>? they didn't. <laughs> and Montench all of a sudden wasn't playing synthesizers. It was, it was to your point, used in the right way of not, it wasn't shoehorned in of, oh, we've got, we're going to put these synthesizers in. How are we going to fit them in? Mm-hmm. It's right. kind of like, how, how can we do this, but still sound like us? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's a, a legacy artist or an artist from the 70s using it in the right way. Um, but that second British invasion, I think, also kind of gave us another smattering and another helping of pop music that was so great. You know, oh, I yeah. think of art, you know artists like Lisa Stansfield. You know, the Blue Eyed Soul kind of thing came back with "Been Around the World" and uh, "Fine Young Cannibals" and and all these great British artists that kind of kind of took advantage again of that digital revolution and "Flock of Seagulls." 
you know, it just seems like 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 it was like the '60s all over again. Like like American artists were it was That's hard pressed, and we know some great ones like Huey Lewis and the News, and you know Bob Seger. You know they they were still there, but it seemed like yeah, Duran Duran, like these British artists, would, you know, Def Leppard assaulted the Amer- the you know the United States shores with with two albums in a row in the '80s. You know, yeah, well produced mode. Stuff. Uh, you had uh, yeah, the, the col- col- Culture Club. I mean, and they couldn't Culture they Club. couldn't miss. Hit, hit after hit after hit. Yeah, the uh, fix, also, right? Yeah, the yeah, the, the uh, yeah. This was a, like a, a great. T- there was all this kind of, you know, n- new wave talk then, talk. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and it would it would kind of morph into yeah. alternative, yeah. right? Because so another in the eighties, it was kind of like new wave kind of started out the eighties, mm-hmm. and then that kind of morphed. You know, r- rock and roll became kind of metal and hair metal. You know that kind of light music, for better or for worse. That was, you know, you can't discount it's, what was going on. I think on that's with that. what they refer to as glam, metal. glam, glam. Metal. You know, and, and then and then alternative was kind of springing up in college radio stations, Which, playing stuff that wasn't that. You know, it was the whoops. antidote to that 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 these small radio stations and colleges didn't want to play Poison and and Motley Crue and yeah, and which was stuff like at that. the time uh, that was the most popular form of music when that stuff was was prominent. I think that was the best selling. It was the most popular. It was the, it was like the, the you know, the most played, the most you know, the glam metal, which was it was like that was surprising to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of the really, dance you know. stuff too. A lot of that freestyle, like Taylor Dane, was coming into into oh yeah into popularity. Yeah. To, uh, you still you had know, your uh, your R&B Debbie, artists. Debbie Gibson and 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 that kind of pop music was Paula Abdul. All that stuff was kind of dominating the charts as well. Yeah. So there was that. Yeah. There was room for that. You know, they were kind of keeping the the pop spirit alive, but on the sidelines was this alternative music and kind of, you know, the, the glam metal was kind of becoming popular on MTV because like you said, it was very visual. There's always you know, something. See, seeing these guys with makeup on and, and teased yeah. hair and, and Aquanet. Uh, it became a very visual thing for those bands. Whereas, there's always, you know, there's always bands that you're going to find that we probably don't even know that came out of the eighties. And that's supposed to be our, technically our decade that that was our our sort of yeah. coming of age decade yeah. right because you know because we were old enough to you know st- we were still getting into the the, the bands from the 70s but and uh, you know but it's like the 80s became like you know but i know that there's probably bands that we i've never heard that are probably like oh that's nothing compared to these guys there's always some like some underground thing happening i think in every decade that there's there's always a band that somebody's going to point out that oh you guys don't you never heard anything until you heard these guys. And I'm like, oh, of course, there's plenty of unsung, you know what I mean? Like, so heroes. And, and that's why we go back. Hopefully. I just, and, I uh, guess I'm making that point because I, I, you know, I tend to be a little harsh talking about the eighties, but then I realized mm-hmm. that there was a lot of some like really innovative stuff happening, you know, so yeah, you I have, have to, to, I have to, to take it credit, you know, so. yeah, you have to put yourself in the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, yeah. you can't look at the eighties. <clears throat> If you look at the 80s from an outside looking in mm-hmm. perspective, it's it's not going to work because yeah. all you're going to think about is neon and teased hair and, and rubber <laughs> rubber gasket bracelets and Madonna lace. Like like you're going to think about all the kitsch, you know, if you look at it from the outside looking in. But if you kind of go back and try and immerse yourself into into and put yourself in the mindset of what was going on at the time mm-hmm. and try to remember that this stuff was cutting edge and you have to kind of put it, you know, whether or not it's aged you know, and whether, whether, whether or not things got better or worse mm-hmm. at that time, 
there was there was a lot going on. You know, Michael Jackson's Thriller, the biggest selling album of all time, came out in the eighties. Madonna, what does that mean? Right? Yeah, Madonna was Madonna changed the face of music forever. Prince in in the eighties, and yeah, all these artists, right? There was a lot. There was a lot going on there. It's just he was he was he was a guy that I totally underappreciated at the time. I should have I should have been listening to Prince at the time because he was brilliant. Yeah. Now I'm going back and I'm like, I, 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 it's one of my biggest regrets is not. But he's from the 80s. It was mainly from, from the, the 80s. 80s. So kind of passed so, me by. It's like, it's the image that kind of exactly. threw you. So how, do you how do you reconcile that? This, right? guy yeah. is, this guy isn't the new Hendrix, you know, like he's not a yeah. guitar player. I see a lot of dancing. I, you know, that's the, the you know, the sort of uh, the thing that you get, but then you realize this guy played everything. He did everything. Yeah. He, he was, he was eccentric. But he was, he was, he was. Yeah, you have your preconceived notions, you know, and, and yeah. I think when I think when you think of, I think when when you we talk about the eighties, I think we need to take the 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 nostalgia kitsch out of it of how people look at the eighties now, right? Because that's yeah. the thing is is that stuff is is well is looked upon nostalgically, yeah, but not very realistically. It's it's very it's drawn very broadly, and yeah, no, I think you can say was I, I, and everybody was this. But, you but could say you, the same of the seventies, and and of course you, could, the, you know yeah yeah everything was hippie, but but I think less so. I think it's I think it's you know it's easier to kind of look at the the depth of the music in the seventies, and it's easy to dismiss the eighties if you're if you're looking if you're I going about the saying. same yeah list. I get what you're yeah I get it you know, yeah. and I think if you if you spend time in in an eighties like playlist or of just all types of music, I think if you kind of right reimmerse yourself in there and then be like okay. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, yeah, yeah, just, you know, the 70s had its its share of corny and cheesy pop, but it was all, again, when you put it in its place at the time, it fit. There was, everything was happy and people were, you know, there's still the leftovers of the hippie generation and pop music had, had really, ha- was kind of happy stuff. Yeah. You know, the 80s was more kitschy, but, but at the time it wasn't because it was just what was going on, right? It was, it was just like we were, we felt, we felt we were on the edge of, so, like I said, it was something new in music. It was something, like I said, it was sort of like embracing the future. Yeah. And it was a time of great excess, of, of great uh, promise. Yeah, that too. Right? It was like, oh, the 80s are going to be bright and, you know, the the future is going to be, yeah. you know. Future is going to be neon. And we got all this technology <laughs> and, and you know, all this stuff, yeah. is, you know, whatever. Yeah, the video, computer revolution, all that, you know. Video all that games, stuff was yeah, absolutely. At the same time. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was like the dawning of a new, of the digital era, right? Yeah. And that's really what it was. And, and the music kind of, and the music represented that or represented what what people thought that so, era would be, what, what what digital, what the digital revolution would and be. And not so. only that, it was the advent of, uh, you know, watching movies at home, right? Yeah. V- VCRs came into, we could actually watch, a, you know, we don't have to go to the theater. Uh, we could watch a movie and we could buy a movie, we could rent it, we could... CDs came at the came a thing. You it could record a, your soap opera and watch it later. That's right. I don't know why. That manipulate, just watch, just manipulate, watch it when it's on. Manipulate the movie <laughs> as you're watching. We can rewind it and go yeah, back and see that scene again. And you know, yeah, all the I mean, stuff, it, it, all the stuff you could have done with music already. That cassettes were already doing it, right? We were already yeah. manipulating music on, on, in the '80s and, and oh, making yeah. our own taste and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> all right. So, so I think we've kind of hit the high points this wasn't supposed to be all encompassing mm-hmm. um but i think we've kind of i think we hit some of the high points if we forgot anything let us know you know hit us up on facebook and instagram let us know what we missed or what would have what what's a high watermark for you mm-hmm. now i'm going to ask eric i think this is where where the rubber meets the road <laughs> 
What? What's so funny? <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, these sayings. Just gonna... <laughs> what? That's not. That's not. What the hell did you saying. pull? Where'd you, where'd you pull that one out of? It's not an uncommon <laughs> saying. Look that up. Where the rubber meets the road. That's, that's it. That's I've old... never heard that expression. Never. What? I have All never right. heard that. On social media. Let me know. How many of you have heard this? When the, the term "this is where the rubber meets the road." I have never heard that. That is an old timey <laughs> saying. Please, please back me up on social media. Let me know. <laughs> I'm so, not saying it's a bad say. It's just it's nah, funny, you know. It's, it's old timing. Okay. Um, so, what do you think? The '60s, the '70s, or the '80s? Pound for pound, for for you, which decade? We're not carving this in stone, mm-hmm. so don't worry. No, no one's gonna. We're not gonna hold you to it and say, "Well, you said this," but. And it's a hard, it's a hard choice because we really took three, is. we took three of the, pri- these are the three prime decades of music, really. Like tr- I said, if you, if you look at this as a child, you're taking teenage years, you're taking adulthood, and then you're taking someone in their thirties when they're kind of, it's so many you know, factors. Done, they're growing and, and they're matured. Um, and there, there are so many factors. So pound, I, pound for pound, if, if you're going to choose a decade and you, this is, you know, pretty much all you were going to listen to. Okay. Um, Not forever, but this would be the primary. You know, if you if you signed up for Spotify and they're like, "Well, we need to we need to know which decade is is it," I, so we can we can tailor everything to you and give you the best musical experience. Which one are you going to choose? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have to go with the seventies. You know, no. because seventies. Um, I think I might have mentioned this. It's either we, I don't know if we talked. Well, I know we talked about it at some point, but I don't know if we actually mentioned it on the air. Um, but for me, it, just it's not even a matter, a question of if you really want to get down to it. I mean, if for me, the best ten years of music had, you know, it was like sixty six to seventy six for me. That's not I'm, what we're asking. That's not get what we're that. asking. Get I know we're well, breaking the rules. But but seventies, I'm gonna have to go with the because everything <laughs> that sort of started in the sixties carried over into the seventies. Okay, it was bigger, it was broader. Uh, there was a, to me, there just seemed to be a lot more to choose from. Uh huh. Um, just you know, genre wise, there was just a lot more to you know, and there's still bands that I'm discovering. And, and let know. me ask you a question about that about your choice. Yeah, you just said there was a lot more to choose from. Yeah. Um, are you are you saying that? Are you saying that now in hindsight or, or are you saying that based on your experience then? I think I, I didn't know it then, you know, growing up in the eighties, I didn't realize that there might've, there were, there was so much, but I think Uh over time, you know, as, as time went on, I realized that there were bands just, you know, starting it all innovating, you know, just, you know, and now, like I said, like a lot of bands, you know, I have nothing against new music. I, I, you know, whatever, but there's, I just feel like there's a, there's a repetitive thing. The nineties brought grunge back and what to me was like a return Mm -hmm. to the classic rock era of, of the, of the 70s, of that warm rock, gritty, raw rock and roll sound that, you know, that, that started then. Um, so yeah, you know, that, it, it to me it's I, it it feels the best to me. Uh, I'm probably a little bit more nostalgic for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music just affects me in a way. But then there's also the you know that 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 aspect of it of, of 
where it all came from and where, where it started, you know, at least in my lifetime. Sure. You know what I mean? So, I mean, obviously I'm sure there's people that, oh, well, you know, it started in the thirties and the forties, you know, we can, you know, everybody has their, those people are long gone. They're dead. (laughs) We don't have to worry about that. (laughs) They're dead. Their spirit is dead. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You're building a rat ship here. Sorry, I just broke out into second world. Oh my goodness! Uh, but yeah, but for uh. for me, it's 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 the most for me it's the most treasured yeah. decade. I get I, there's so much sure. there, there's so much innovation there, but yet but it's enjoyable. It's okay. you know so yeah. That but what about you? All right. What about me? Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, pound for pound. Right, it's hard. It's hard to pick one without because you're you're basically. I'm going to use harsh words. You're basically discounting two other decades, right? You're basically kind of, kind of, kind of crossing them off, right? So it's very very hard. Yeah. Um. And and each one had its. You know, there was special things that happened in each decade that are watershed moments in music. Um. Pound for pound, I have to go with the '70s as well. Okay. You know, it's it's. The the thing that I think of or or the two words that come to mind for the seventies was anything goes. Yeah. Um, meaning yeah. meaning meaning labels were open to any type of music, of mm-hmm. recording, any type of artist. Uh you know, so many artists you you know, you look through I I'll, I'll look through like auctions, you know, online auctions for albums and stuff from the seventies. I've never mm-hmm. even heard of these people, like like one off guy or he made one album or whatever. Uh yeah. You know, I, I think there was that, and and there was that, like I said, the maturing of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the learning was done in the '60s, and I think the '70s bore the fruits of that. You know, Billy Joel, Elton John, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these great artists, Foreigner, Boston, you know, just all all different genres. Like I said, disco, soul music, mm-hmm. was, was really you know Gladys Knight and the Pips, Stevie Wonder, the stuff he was doing in the '70s. Yep. Just all, I mean, there's so much we didn't go over, but I, you know, and I think that's, I think where, where my musical education came from was the seventies. Yeah. I, I went agree. back to the sixties, right? I, I wasn't coherent. Yeah. I mean, the stuff <laughs> for the sixties. So, so the stuff but, you didn't know, my, seem as old. I mean, it's, you, you realize that even like the turn of the, the decade of, of 80, 81, you know, the who just finished the Led Zeppelin yeah. just made their last album. Then, you know, like 79 was their last. I still, still didn't realize that. But when you think about it, it's but, like, yeah, this stuff was still there. It was still happening. It was still fresh. You know, yeah. it was yeah, very, those fun, were, you know? those were new bands. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know? Yeah. So, so I, you know, I think for the, for the breadth of music, the scope of music and, and all the things that happened, including disco, you know, mm-hmm. like that was an important part in, and in all of that. Yeah, and punk, all that yep. stuff kind of made up a very, uh, a very eclectic decade. You know, yep. Steely Dan, right? The the jazz influence stuff that I th- yep. wasn't into maybe then, but um, like you said, some some of it was was experienced then. A lot of it was the pop music, mm-hmm. um, and then after the fact, realizing that all these bands were kind of uh, occupying the same space. And let's know, not in t- for- in time, same yeah. space and time. And let's not forget all the one hit wonders. Yeah, that's yeah. That was the thing. That was the AM like radio the, was the, like the yacht rock, right? The, yeah. You know, there's a great documentary on uh, on Paramount Plus called yeah. uh, "Sometimes When We Touch." 
And yeah. it's all about it's all about the the, the yacht rock or the, the Sometimes light when rock. We touch Dan, Dan Hill. Yeah. See, I'll tell you, Rupert Holmes, the peanut Captain and Tennille, the, the Carpenters, all these yeah. like they're talking, you know, yeah. Come and get your love. I mean, I mean, the, the 70s were, were ch- I mean, the 60s were as much too, but the 70s, yeah, yeah everybody had an opportunity. And this you stuff know, was like hokey. Of, stuff was, yeah. some of it was hokey. Some of it was, but some of it, it just sounded good, man. It was just, yeah. you know, that's what it really, I mean, it's a feeling too. Like it's the, yeah. what, what, how it yeah, I think the sound, I think that, I think that's what it was too, is, yeah. is the music just, you know, we lament it all the time in the eighty in the eighties because we're looking back at it, yeah, and we're saying how artificial it sounds and how it you know has that, yeah. that sheen over it. Um, we never really say that about the seventies. The seventies had had the, the something different to it. Uh, you'll you'll call it a warmth. You know, it was probably one of your favorite terms, mm-hmm. which, which it did. You know, there was there was some. You know, the 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 educa- school was out. You know, the sixties was school, and school school was out. And and the seventies was kind of okay. Let's you know, we 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 learned everything, and now we're gonna put it to we're gonna put it into practice. And everybody, mm-hmm. any crazy idea for a genre of music, had a, had a seat at the table, and that that was the great thing about it. It was just mm-hmm. kind of everything was there for you to listen to. So so yeah. So I I don't think it was gonna be any surprise. I I, I knew you were <laughs> gonna say the seventies. Yeah, it, I mean yeah. <laughs> and, we're not, gonna... we're, and you know, <clears throat> folks, we're not trying to say that. You know, we're not trying to like, oh, we're saying, oh, this is like for us. That's what we that's how we feel. Uh, Everybody is different. Everybody has their decade. Everybody has their, you know, music that they came to know, connected to. And and, and they're just they're just wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You said that I didn't. So (laughs) you'll take the heat. (laughs) No, it's fine. You know, no, I mean, I I could, you know, 60s would be a second. Uh-huh. You know, because there's a lot of, you know, but, but if we had to choose, and this is just, like I said, this is like a what if episode and just having a discussion. So um, let us know what, what one you think it is. It, is the seventies or why not the seventies? Why the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. where the eighties, you know, again, and, and like Eric said, it's conditional. Yeah. You know, if you grew up in the eighties and you were listening to PLJ and Z100 in the eighties and came, you know, that's going to be, maybe, maybe it is because of the connection. Yeah. Right. What you were weaned on. That's right. Right. It could be. It could be. I'm kind of in um, between my older brother, like his, his decade was the seventies. Right. So, but yet I feel like I, he always accused me of being 10 years behind the time. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, we it, were, we were, we could claim the seventies just as easy. We were you know, the eighties too. You know, we embraced it all as it was coming out. Yeah. But to me, it just, it just had a very, yeah. the, you know, the innovations of the day where it, it was very jarring, it, you know, and I think that was, that was it, you know, it was, yeah, we 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 love the the cool, the fact that this technology was happening. But if if I listened to a song, it didn't quite affect me the same way that it that you know something was did. different. Yeah, something was different. Yeah. So let's get to do it. Hit hit us up on social media. Let us know sixties, seventies, or eighties, or is there another decade that you would like to advocate for? Mm-hmm. Maybe we're total. Maybe we we didn't even get the right three in your list. So hit us up on social media. Let us know. Uh, also. Visit, visit us, visit us on YouTube. We've got uh, video versions of this and you're looking at me right now and you'll probably be seeing this at some point. So go ahead and like and subscribe. Uh, do that for us as well. That keeps the videos coming on YouTube, which is a lot of fun as well. Put mm-hmm. a sign on the background and uh, that's going to do it for this lively, but really fun discussion and a little technical, little little bit of everything in this one, which is a lot of fun to do um, of the uh 
best best decade for music we think is uh, unanimous. <laughs> it's only two people, but it's unanimous. <laughs> two people make the majority. It is the 70s. Yep. And so for Eric, this has been Dean. We will see you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important. So make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 